Hello, you mindful mamas, and welcome back to another episode of the Enlightened Hood Podcast, where I share real motherhood stories and empower the soul of the mother through mindfulness and spirituality. On today's episode, we are talking all things relationship and mindset with perception reset specialist and global relationship strategist, Somalia Brown, also known as Coach BB. Somalia has an amazing story where when she was a young adult, she had a dream that a God figure appeared in front of her and told her, follow me. And so she did. She quit her job and started traveling the entire country, healing other people. And she has since spent her life's work empowering others and helping them reset their minds to find a place of transformation and empowerment. Somalia shares some of the biggest mindset hurdles that we need to conquer to have healthy relationships and why it's so important for us to trust our gut. She also shares how to reset your mind to fuel your mindfulness journey and why it's so important to have self-care for the mind, the body, and the soul. So here's Somalia. So I always love another mother who had a calling, resigned from her nine to five and stepped into her truth and what she had just this strong innate feeling to do. So can you tell me about how you got there and what it was like just stepping into this calling? Well, so I am a fellow mother, but mine started way before I became a mother, which made it easier because Oh yeah, I bet. I'm gonna be honest. I don't know if I would have had the courage to do it as a mother. <laughs> um, so tip my hat off to those who do it as a mother because that brings a whole nother dynamics to it. So I was single, not married. I was probably only how long ago was it? I want to say maybe it was 15, 15 years ago. So yeah. basically, I was working in retail and literally had a dream and heard, I need you to put everything down and follow me. And I literally had just bought a condo. I had just started my life, like, you know, graduated college, just got a good job and working up the ladder. And I was just like, what? And um, he gave me a month. And when I say he, the, the dream that I had was literally like a God figure just came to me and said, I need you to follow me. Wow. Okay. And um, in that, I gave my boss, like you just said, I gave my boss my, um, I mean, it took a lot. I'm not going to just sit here and say no month. I was just like, oh, okay. No, I was like, uh, how do I do this? How do I tell my parents? What do I do with you? I was that child that did everything by the book for my parents. I was really good. I didn't get in trouble, didn't give them no problems. So I knew this was going to rattle them. And basically, I went to my boss and said, um, I'm resigning. And she's like, but you just bought a condo and da-da-da. I said, yeah. She goes, what are you going to do? I said, I don't know. She goes, what do you mean? You don't know. I said, I had a dream and X, Y, and Z. And she goes, oh my God, I wish I had the courage to do what you're doing, but I'm so proud of you. Go do it and have fun. And it pretty much launched me into who I am today, not knowing. Um, I pretty much travel the world, well, the U.S., um, healing people. I have a gift for healing. Um, he used me in very spontaneous ways. I was in Louisiana for a couple of months. From Louisiana, I went to um, a lot of my friends. I'm an ex-athlete, so a lot of my friends were in the Olympic trials in Oregon. I was there. A couple of people got hurt, prayed, laid hands on them, um, healed a couple of them through God. Then I went to California, and this lady that I had healed here in Texas 
told her family that I was out there and they came knocking on my girlfriend's door. Hey, the woman who heals people. And I was just like, oh my God, I cannot believe this. And they brought um, a little girl who was diagnosed with like stage four throat cancer and I prayed over her and she was healed. So basically when I gave up my life to follow my passion and my calling, that was birthed out of me. Wow. Well, again, if I was a mother, I don't know how that would have worked. Because <laughs> I lived nothing to my name literally he provided every step of the way wow so then what was it like stepping into this truth and did you really start to realize that wow this is what I was meant to do yes when I stepped into it I had no idea like I said I hadn't even done that I hadn't even prayed openly I hadn't even laid hands on anyone so when that started to birth I was just like okay this is different and I just ran with it I'm very as fearful as I was, I was also fearless. Like I, I will do anything as an athlete. Like I said, I pushed myself to the limit. So when it came out, I embraced it and I enjoyed it. And then of course, when I got married, it stopped. <laughs> yeah, that was going to be my next question is how did that transform once you became a wife and a mother? So I got married in 09 and then I became a mom in 10. Um, and as soon as I got married, he said, your main priority is your marriage and your husband. So all that just cold turkey one day to the next. Stop. My wow. last retreat, because I host women retreat, was in February of the year. I got married in 09 and got married in 09. And I think my next retreat was probably like in 13 or 14. So it transitioned okay. I mean, I was okay with it because I knew that um, the day I got married, he said, if you give me your marriage, I will use your marriage to save other marriages. So that's when I realized, okay, so you stop this to help me pick up something else. So, so the transition was pretty smooth, I must say. Wow. So let's talk about where you are now in helping others with their mindset and specifically marriages, right? Yes. Well, not just marriages. My mate, so I have two mandates. My mandate, like he said, if you give me your marriage, I'll say use your marriage to save others. That is my first mandate is to help prevent deaths in marriages. So that is my coaching, that is my practice, Coach B.B. Brown. I am also a speaker, a host for retreats, and that's where the reset comes in. Because basically what I do is reset wives, their mindset, and help them see it different. But I also attract a lot of singles. I also attract men. A lot of men will be like, I listen to you, I watch you, and you say everything we think, but you can get away with it because you're a woman. Most men can't say what they think like that without us putting up this wall of defense. Like, how dare you say that? So <laughs> I'm so excited. Like, listen to her. Listen to her. That's exactly how I feel. And you say it perfectly. Like, a lot of my men are like, I will pay you every week if you can basically be my interpreter to talk to my wife. You tell her exactly how I feel. And she's like, okay. I say it. And she wants to wring my neck. So, um, so basically, resetting is... I transform through the power of God, your perception, period, the end. If a wife comes to me and is like, my husband said this and he's so mean with his words, I hear them. And I say, well, what did you say? Well, I just said this. Well, that was a below the belt. You hurt his feelings and he's going to retaliate. Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh, yeah. And then they're like, oh, that's not that big of a deal anymore. No, because you started it. You know what I mean? So I'm a very in your face. I put the mirror in your face. So there was the reset is the mirror, the spiritual mm. mirror, where you look inside and say, why does that bother me? 
So my book is Pray Why, What, Call, Where. My husband's like, you should write a book because those are the steps that I use and he started using it because it works. So before I can bring something to my husband, I literally have to pray about it. And then once I pray about it, I ask myself, why does this bother me? Because was I PMSing? Was I having a bad day? Was I already over the top and he just did something and just it just blew the lid? You know what I mean? Then where did I go wrong? Did I instigate like that example previous or did I just block him out and now he's like, hey, are you listening to me? And I'm already testy because the day was bad. Then you, your um, call is your accountability person. I, I'm really big on accountability. I have accountability for business, accountability for being a mom, accountability for my wife, everything. Because you can't do this walk alone. I don't care if you're married, single, whatever. You need someone to hold you accountable to what you say you're going to do and what you're not going to do. So I help my clients get an accountability. You have to know who to call in each area. I'm not going to call my cheerleader who believes in everything that I do when I know I'm wrong. That's mm. just plain wrong. And some people do that because they want you to co-sign. So um, then once I do that, then it's uh, where and pray why, what call where. Yeah, where. And pretty much the where is just show me where I can learn from this situation so I don't repeat it. Show me where I went wrong initially. So it's pretty much all self introspect that resets everything to where half of the time my answer is it's you you ain't even got to tell your husband it's you and my husband be like are you all right I'm like yeah it was me he'll be like oh, all right okay I don't even bring it to him because it was me it was my fault I did something I didn't say anything I messed up and God will show you if you ask but we don't ask Mm. Do you think that that's the biggest mindset hurdle that we all have to really conquer is that looking within and realizing that a lot of it is just us? Yes, because we as a human race do not like to take responsibility for our actions. If we don't get the promotion, how dare he not promote me? Well, did you do your job? You know what I mean? Oh my God, I went on a date. He was just horrible. When you met him, you said you weren't sure if you liked him. So why did you even go out with him? You know what I mean? It's always yeah. our choice. You choose everything. And people, when they get around me at first, it's really hard to stomach the mirror, the mirror, the mirror. I have best friends that go through stuff and they're like, I didn't call you because I didn't feel like looking in the mirror. I felt like being mad. I wanted to be mad, so I didn't call you. And I'm just like, how did that work? That's why I'm calling you now. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh... yeah. So you can only imagine my husband because he gets that mirror all the time. He's, he gets so fed up and I can tell and I'll calm down. I'll be like, okay, whatever. How do, how do you want to do this? Because I'm, I, I always self, I always self introspect. And before I bring anything to him or anyone, I always make sure that I've checked myself first. And it is a habit. It is a discipline. It is. Mm -hmm. It is the number one issue in marriages because it's a smokescreen. He doesn't do this. He doesn't do that. I do all of this. And I'm like, okay, he's going on a business trip, right? Yeah. Let's see how much you really do. The first day, the first, oh my God, I can't make it without him. I'm like, exactly. You think you do everything, but take away your support. As little as you think they do, you will then see how much they really do. They do a lot. Even if it's just a break for five minutes, 10 minutes, it's a lot. With kids, those of us who have kids, we know what a break, five mm -hmm. minutes. So yes, yes, that is the biggest hurdle is self. Are there any other tools that we should really be implementing into our relationship other than looking inward in this self-reflection? Are there any other tools that really help us kind of be on equal, in alignment with each other? Yes. 
Um, another tool I do is um, being able to forgive and be considerate. Um, forgiving first, it helps take away the, the bitterness from taking root. <clears throat> it helps doing the, he did this in March, he did this in April, he did this in May, and then here comes mm-hmm. July, and then it just explodes. Forgiveness is key just across the board, um, and it keeps you healthy. And then consideration, um, I've always, before Mary, was like, if a guy is considerate, he will consider me before doing anything. And marriage, a lot of us are selfish. And that's what marriage does. It shows you how selfish you are, just like kids. It'll show you real quick. You'll be like, no, I'm real giving. Say I do. <laughs> you will realize the area that you love yourself. <laughs> so, yes. Those are two other tips that I always tell them, like, do not hold grudges. Life is too short and it's not worth it. You said I do to this person. Why did you say I do? Remember your why. I always coach them to remember their why. Why did you say yes? Why did you walk down the aisle? Some people actually say, I don't know, you know, and then they'll be like, what do I do with that? And I'm like, you walked out, you said yes for a reason. There's no just, I don't know. You may feel that way now, but you said yes for again we have a choice every morning when we wake up and you chose this so now either you make the best of it change it or fix it but don't keep it the same so yes absolutely (laughs) there's plenty of tips (laughs) have you read love languages by gary chapman i have that is one of the books that i offer that i um suggest like the first meeting Yeah, because that, what really spoke to me in that book, I mean, apart from the whole idea of love languages, is the idea that scientifically once this this on cloud nine lust period ends and we go back to kind of being who we were before we fell in love and had this like huge relationship, new energy boost. And then we go back to just being us and the, like the true us comes out and then the true version of our partner comes out and we're like, wait a second, this is what you're really like. (laughs) And then accepting that person for all that they are. Mm -hmm. And my combat for that is two things. So for my singles, I always tell them to ask God to show them their significant other's heart you can only front so long especially when God's involved when you pray and ask God to show you someone's heart he's going to show you now it's your choice to see those red flags or not that's what I tell my single ladies when you're already married I tell them to ask God to preserve your love for me I prayed a prayer that said God I was in college and my coach um, they were easily in their 50s 60s and they had kids my age at the time, so easily at least there. And we went to Florida for spring break, and literally they're walking around the track holding hands, and I'm like, that's not normal. And I was just like, how long have they been married? They're like, ooh, like 30 years? And I'm like, wow, I want that. And when I got married, the first thing I said is, God, I don't want the honeymoon phase to end. I know they say expect it to end, but I believe that you can do all things, and I don't want the honeymoon to end. And 10 years later, this year we made 10 years, I have, as long as we don't have the kids around, when we have kids around, they don't really say it. But when it's just my husband and I, we've had a couple people throughout the 10 years actually say, well, how long have you guys been married? You've got to be newlyweds. And I just smile because that means my prayer was answered. Um, and it does work. It does keep the, the love fresh and new. I'm not going to say there weren't ups and downs. I'm not going to say there weren't any issues, but 
it's like he, and then on my end, there is work. So there's times where we're having a disagreement or we're not seeing eye to eye. And I'm a very, I, I retreat. I'm a retreat type of person. And um, he'll, God will be like, go hug him. And I'm like, I don't feel like hugging him. <laughs> go put your head on his show. Because my husband's love language is touch. So when I retreat, he feels unloved. So he'll be like, go hug him. And I'm like, God, I really don't feel like it right now. I really am in my flesh and I feel justified. Just being honest, I'm just, just I'm mad. And I'll hug him. He'll be like, thanks, I needed that. And I'll be like, <laughs> but that's what helps keep the honeymoon phase. Because if I didn't have God in the center telling me in my flesh when I'm mad to do that, then it would consist consistently put a wedge. And that's why it's important to have a center. It can't just be two. There has to be a threefold cord. When you have a threefold cord, it keeps you centered and grounded. On the days where my flesh is justified, like he legit made me mad. There's no reason why I can't be mad. Tell him my mind. The only thing that stops me is God saying, now you know that's not right. And you cannot do that. And you need to go and either apologize or you need to go and just give him a hug or ask for a hug. And it just breaks whatever it is because love is the most powerful frequency we have. So I don't care how upset we are with each other, which mind you, we don't argue that much, but neither one of us are arguers. So we can count on one hand how many times we've literally had an argument. We don't slam doors. We don't sleep on couches. We don't do that. Um, but when we do have our disagreements, it's to the point where I'm just like, don't, I'm sleeping on the other edge of the bed. Like, don't touch me. Like, do not, you stay over there, I stay over here. And literally, it'll be like, no, give him a hug. And then you just feel the love just come rushing back in, kind of like how they say after you fight and you make up. We haven't made up yet, but because I chose or he chose to be obedient and just give a hug in love in the midst of the chaos and anger, it diminished and then we'll start talking and it's a totally different tone, a totally different feel. And that's what helps keep it. It's being obedient in the midst of an angry session in the midst of a hurtful session that helps. And that's what I coach most of my clients. Like learn to listen to your gut. If your gut is telling you hug your husband, that means he needs it more than you do. Yes, you're mad. Yes, he pissed you off, but just do it. You don't know what it can do. For us, it always opens up another avenue to talk about the same situation, but the tone is so different. Just mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's such an important lesson to just approach everything with love, even when it feels not natural. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Can't even go with words. And I know what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> I think it applies a lot to yourself too, and especially to yourself as a mother and giving yourself that grace and love to be able to, you know, to show up as a mother every single day. Yes, that is true. Because we do have to do that because there's moments you're just like, stop calling my name, go take a nap and just leave <laughs> me alone. But then you want to say it, but then you know if you say it, their little faces are just going to break your heart. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So we have a lot of listeners on just different spectrums of their mindfulness, spirituality journey. For those who are just either starting out or kind of at that pl plateau where they're trying to put in that effort to get to that next level, what is your advice for changing your mindset and your perception of just really how to take control of that? So the first thing I usually start with people where they're just like, what is resetting my mind is a morning routine. 
<clears throat> the reason why I say that is because morning routines can change your life. If the first thing you do when you wake up is grab your phone and go on Instagram and Facebook, you're basically feeding your life the outside world. What do you want your day to be? How do you want it to go? We have the power to dictate our entire life. But we are on this autopilot where we just wake up, look at Instagram. It could be something positive or negative, And then it literally affects your day. You don't realize it, but it does. Mm -hmm. So I always coach them to create a morning routine. If you want to meditate, if you want to do affirmations, declarations, decrees, pray, sit in silence. But if you wake up for 7.30 to get ready to get dressed, set your alarm like 7.15, get up, lay there, and just kind of bask in, in yourself first. Um, and kind of direct your day. I teach them to direct their day. So if they choose to do affirmations or declarations, we come up, to, we come together and we come up with some affirmations or declarations that's specific, not the general, I am this. It has to meet your needs. Mm -hmm. You know, like if you're not ready to receive, I'm a millionaire, why would you say it? Cause you're not, we're going to get it, you know? And that's why some of them don't work. If you're like, oh, that doesn't work. No, it works when you're ready to receive it and you can believe it when your faith is built up enough. So if you're at a point where you're struggling with just believing that you're a loving person, then start there and just start with, I love myself. I am a loving being. I put on love. I walk in love. I operate in love. God help me walk in love. You know, I believe in angels assisting us. My angels, my guardian angels help me to walk in love today. Mm -hmm. That's your beginning. Then if you want to read something, have a book or something, a devotional, something there. Or if you want to listen to music, I mean, literally a minute to five minutes every morning can shift your entire day because you're walking in intentions. Like you're setting an intention, not just mindful, you're setting an intention. Now, when you wake up and don't do anything, you're like, whatever you want to bring to me world, I'll take it. Now, when you wake up and say, I'm going to be a being of love today. When you have the opportunity to love, you have more strength to do it because you spoke it. Because I do believe that we have power in our words. So I start there, create a morning routine, and then we shift to now do the nightly routine. Don't let Facebook and Instagram, again, be the last thing you see. Like, I had to learn that years ago. Um, I think I had opened it up, and unfortunately, a little girl had been kidnapped. And I was just like, oh, I don't want to read that before I go to bed. Like, mm -hmm. that on their heart, you know, especially as a mom. And then you go to sleep, and then you have a dream that you're owned. You know, it's just... But you did that. You did that to yourself. So I was just like, you know what? Facebook, I'm done with you by like seven, eight o'clock. I'm not even looking at you. I'm done. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to either worship, listen to some soothing music, maybe some, some tones that are high frequency, something to kind of shift my mood to have a pleasant dream. Because I don't want that kind of dream, but I did it to myself. So I then we go there. And then I always introduce them to my app because my app is a daily way to communicate directly with me and other like-minded, like you said, individuals that are all over the place. We have experts, we have babes, we have newbies, we have those right dead smack in the middle that know what they're doing but still need to be pulled up. So I always uh, kind of usher them into that, but the number one thing is to start your day with being about you and mindful of setting intentions to walk it out. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's so important, but it's also so hard to do as a mother. <laughs> yeah. Which is why my morning time is three in the morning. And it sucks sometimes. I'm like, really, God? Like, why? Is but to be honest, I don't know if you're like this. I can get so much done at three in the morning. Mm -hmm. And I don't have to worry about, Mommy, where's this? Mommy, can I have that? And then, hey, babe, can you help me find this? It's, it's me. Everyone is knocked out. I have 
I'm not even worried. It's like you're not even alert. You don't even realize how alert you are until you're not alert. And at three in the morning, I will wake up and I'll pray and I'll do whatever the Lord has led me to do at that moment in time. And then when I'm done, I'll do some work and then I'll be back to sleep around five or four or whatever. And I'm not tired. And I know that is nothing but the grace of God because that is my only time to get me time, especially during the summertime. Now, when they're in school, you have a little more time because I am a stay-at-home mom uh, with my business. So, But when you work, it, it's really hard. Like, I, when I worked, I literally had to find the time on the way to work. But sometimes you're so emotional, you mess up your makeup on the way to work. So, you know, you really have to find the right time um, to get it in when you're a mom and you're working and your life is consumed around everyone else that you have. That's one thing for your listeners. I don't care how busy your world is. Find time for self-care and soul care. Our souls are so neglected. We are a three-part being. We are spirit, we are flesh, and we are soul. And each one has their own necessity. And if you don't take care of one, that's just like having a car and you're not putting the right gas, but you do everything else. You clean it, you wash it, you take care of the engine, but you put the wrong gas. That's an intricate part. Our soul has to be taken care of. And a lot of us don't know that. A lot of people. You made me just realize that for Enlightenhood, that was my goal is to nourish all three of those things and that I should be do, doing a better job of communicating that. Because <laughs> it's so true. It's so true that we do like the mindset work and we do the wellness part, but we forget about the soul part. Uh, yeah. And our soul, unfortunately, controls a lot. It's where our knee-jerk reactions come from. It's where our hearts, our hurt gets lodged, our, our contentment gets lodged, our discontentment, I should say, any pain, any trauma. I mean, you name it, our genealogy, our mother's issues from when we were, I mean, all kind of stuff. And we're just sitting here like, no, I'm good. I take care of this. Like you said, the what? Well, why do you still go through this pattern and cycle and you cannot stop? And you know better. You come in here, we have a session, and I tell you don't do that. And you're like, yeah, 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 I know, I know, I know. And then you come back, I messed up again. You don't have the strength to do it because it's in your soul. Yeah. It's so true. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so So I love asking this question because the answers just make me so happy. So how has empowering all these people around the world empowered you? For me, seeing someone have that aha moment helps me know that I'm doing my job on this earth. I know what I was sent here to do. I know who I am and I know what my purpose is. Um, I had, I passed away when I was five, I drowned. And when I came to, I told my mom that I was with the Lord. And she was like, don't talk like that. Cause we were Catholic at the time. And I, I'm not sure, I never really practiced it, but I just don't think that they believed in that. So she was like, no, that's not true. Da, 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 da. And my dad believed me and I never spoke on it. But just recently he brought it back to me in a dream. Cause he speaks to me a lot in dreams. And he said, I said, what happened that day? He goes, you came with me, you were with me. And I told you your time was not yet because you had a lot of work to do. And he told me what my purpose was. So I know why I'm here. I'm here to help 
bring the world and bring light to those assigned to me. Not everybody, because a lot of people can't take me because a lot of people don't like the discipline level or the accountability or the spiritual mirror. But those that are assigned to me, they grow leaps and bounds through breakthrough. And when they come, I can spot it straight on. They can, after a while, they'll start to be like, oh, yeah, this is more than just a coaching session. Like, you feel like a mentor. So it empowers me to know that that's another person that was assigned to me on this earth that I have been able to touch, help grow, and now you can go out and touch your mouth and help me keep reaching more and more. Mm -hmm. So that's how it empowers me. What a beautiful ripple effect. Yes. Yes, that, I like that. Yes. Yeah. Spreading <laughs> your light. Uh-huh. Absolutely. So I love to end this podcast on just words of encouragement for any woman listening who needs that extra push today, whether it's to really focus on the mindset or take that big leap of courage for something. So what are your wise words to end on? So I would say with what I'm going through right now, I know you guys are going to hear this a couple months later, but I want to let you guys know that right now when you hear this, that when you are about to make a decision in your life and at that moment that you say, okay, I'm going to do this, but you feel fear or doubt or hesitation, press through because what that is, is a straight smoke screen. It is a smoke screen from one, the enemy, whatever you believe in, send smoke screens. It's a smoke screen. It's a lie. And what it is, is your mind's last ditch opportunity to stop you from going to the other side. Because what is on the other side is what you are either supposed to be doing, where you're supposed to be, where you're supposed to pick up and go to, or whatever he has placed in front of you. When you decide to finally do it, don't let fear stop you. Because fear is the biggest liar. Example, in point in case, when you want to do something like bungee jump for the first time, you're like, oh my God, I'm scared. Oh my God, this is the, what happens if the rope pops? Oh my God, all these what, 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 what? Then you do it and you're like, oh my God, that was so awesome. Just two seconds ago, your mind was telling you don't do it. Now, five minutes after, you're like, I want to do it again. That was so awesome. Oh my God. That's how big of a lie our mind is. Our minds, if you allow your mind to dictate your life, you will never do anything. That is the basis of my practice. Your mind, if you learn to control your thoughts, I literally have zero thoughts in my mind. I control what comes in. And when you get to a point where you can control them, you can feel them articulating and coming. And you can sense if it's positive or negative and you can stop it. So I want you to press through. I want you to literally say, okay, fear is here. That means I'm supposed to do it. Take fear as a sign of a positive that it's helping you get to the other side. And I guarantee you when you do that, you will do way more things than you've ever done in the first half of your life, not knowing that fear was actually helping you go to telling you that you're in the right direction. That is my advice to you. Thank you for listening to the Enlightened Podcast, a movement that empowers mindful motherhood and celebrates every journey. If you would like to be part of our community of amazing and soulful women, find us on Instagram at Enlightenedhood. For real motherhood stories and inspirational articles, you can check us out online at enlightenedhood.com. And as always, don't forget to subscribe, review, and share this podcast. Until next time, you mindful mamas.